Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finding the Unicorn, the podcast uh, by Montash, all about trying to find those hard-to-reach candidates from across the European tech industry. Uh, today, I'm delighted to be joined by Usha Tiagi. Um, Usha is the head of people here at Montash, and she's been working here for an awful, well, seems like decades, <laughs> um, finding some of the best talent across Europe um, to fill, uh, well, internally, but also many of our roles. Um, so Usha, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, let everyone know who you are, what you do. Hi, I'm Usha Tiagi and I'm Head of People here at Montash and very enthusiastic about bringing in new talent to the business at all levels, from graduate all the way through to director level. Um, been with the business now for eight and a half years. It's been a, a really incredible journey. The business has gone from strength to strength. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to the future. And is it right that you've been in, in recruitment for before you joined Montash? So yes, you've been working right. um, kind of client side as well as internal? That's right, indeed. Yes, I worked on the agency side as well as internal, yes. Cool. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, one of my favourite topics, which is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And in, in a nutshell, it is a bit of psychology. How do you interpret signs? How do you read people? How do you use certain skills to understand their real intent? Because I guess a lot of a lot of candidates who are interviewed across uh, Europe right now, they may not always be telling the truth when they have their interviews. It's probably about rise, Noosh. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start with, with um, you know, when you're interviewing people, and you've probably interviewed hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people um, over the years for all, all sorts of different roles. And I guess the sort of emotional intelligence questions, they're all probably quite universal, right? It doesn't matter if you're interviewing for um, a DevOps engineer or a cloud engineer or a marketing student or a CEO. They're all probably the same sort of things. So what sort of physical signs are you looking for when you're assessing a candidate's interest? So we're looking for positive body language. So sort of sitting up, good eye contact, um, you know, uh, welcoming gestures, lots of smiles. Um, someone that's, that seems like they're engaged in the conversation. And how has that changed since COVID, since this is a lot of, or a lot of this has been now done virtually? So I guess in the past, um, you're doing this face-to-face -face, and I would assume that it might be a lot easier for you to pick up subliminal subliminal body mess uh, body body language when you can see them in person you know is their hand you know clicking on the table or, you know are they fidgeting yeah. which you might not be able to see virtually H how have you kind of coped with that um so we do several video calls across the team just so we get a better understanding of who we're hiring and um you get to understand a little bit more about them as a person opposed to um, just having sort of a one stage interview. Um, and again, you know, it's picking up on have they put a background behind them? Have, are, you know, how, are, they, are they emotionally aware of their surroundings? Um, and competency-based questions are really key. So really homing in on the key core qualities or values that you want to bring into the business and then having set competency questions around those values and those behaviors um, to really identify whether it is a core value of theirs or it's just something they're, they're telling you in the interview because it's what they think you want to hear. And you, you mentioned their background. What, what, does that, what does that mean to you? What, 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 what do you take from someone who's displaying or not displaying their background or if it's messy, unmessy? You know, what, what are you reading into that? Uh, preparation. I think, you know, someone that has not prepared for the interview, um, perhaps or may not be just may not be aware of perception, because that's also very, very important, especially when you're in a client facing role, um, like a lot of the roles that we hire for. Um, 
just understanding that professional world as such, really, um, and what what would be deemed as professional and unprofessional. I know that's a, a key topic um, that a lot of people are talking about at the moment. Working from home, not a problem. You know, you could be sitting in the kitchen. It's just understanding what that surrounding looks like. Is it tidy in the background? Do you, do you need a background up or not? You know, have you got laundry in the background? I've interviewed plenty of people where there's they're in the bedroom or they're they're in their you know their conservatory, etc. Um, it's just being a little bit aware of what potentially is appropriate and not appropriate, essentially. In your view, is it appropriate to have a virtual background? It, it doesn't. It's not necess- It's not a necessity. I think it's you know it's personal choice, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it depends on what you're interviewing for, what level you're at, who you're interviewing with. You know, are you is it is it with um, a hiring manager that you'll be working with? Is it going to be with a group of people? um because it's a panel interview it just depends but I think having that self-awareness of you know making sure that you're in a, in a nice quiet space that's um that's also not diverting the attention of the interviewer to be you know if you've got things in the, ongoing on in the background perhaps attention can be diverted so it's also just making sure that you're aware of having um all the attention on what you're saying and what you're presenting opposed to things that are going on in the background hence why a lot of businesses do their interviews um you know either in boardrooms or, or, or spaces which are neutral just to create a nice calm environment. Fair enough. How would you rate your background today, Ish? Calm. Calm, <laughs> good. Because <laughs> I, know, I know we had a mild panic before when um, we realised that the virtual background didn't work on this platform. Yeah. Um, but luckily the background is neutral. Just a neutral my, my tension's on you. You're looking professional. It's looking Thank great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of red flags are you looking for when you're interviewing someone? What Are there any kind of physical, let's start with physical signs. Are there any physical signs which you think that might dis, that might be hiding something else or there might be a kind of subliminal display of, of something? I think lack of eye contact is always a key indicator potentially of confidence, potentially of, um, you know, uh, whether they are t- telling you the, absolute truth or whether they're having some time to think um I think body language is really key you know someone sitting there with their arms crossed or slouching in their seat doesn't always give the best impression um but again you know we're not basing it all just on the EI you know you'd look at competency-based um answers to make a final decision but I think it does make a big impact on on first impressions um when someone is perhaps their body language isn't positive and is, is that changed virtually to in person it has done I have I have found that yes because I guess eye contact is quite difficult virtually because the actual camera and the screen can be different places yeah and there's probably um a a more an easier way to sit behind a screen and feel a bit more confident is to be in person absolutely is is that something a mistake you might made in the past um where someone has come across very very well in the virtual world sitting in their comfortable chair at home in a in a setting there they enjoy and then coming to meet you in person. Is that, is that something you've experienced before? Yes, there has been a difference. So when we've hired people throughout the COVID period where it was 100% virtual uh, interviews to, uh, in the hiring period, um, we had some instances where people came on board and they were quite different to how we had anticipated them or read their body language through uh, virtual, um, virtual interviewing. But based on competencies, you know they were able to do the job luckily which is good um but yes that there can be a difference from virtual interviews to, to per, in, in-person interviews for sure and what are the kind of two or three ways you've had to adapt your interviewing methods from in-person to virtual from learning about things like that where you might have you know picked up on that earlier or you might have made a mistake here you know from learning 
Yeah, I think a lot more time in just getting to know them instead of just diving straight into the competency side of things, like really understanding who they are as a person um, and just building up that sort of um, interpersonal relationship with them, which is something that we do, but we've emphasised it more throughout the COVID period and just really understanding how they've adapted to you know, this new world of working um, to try and get them to open up and feel a bit more relaxed so that you get the two of them. Um, and that's really helped. And, and actually it's something that we're going to do in, even in our in-person, you know, it, it, uh, our face-to-face interviews because it, it gives you a better understanding of who you're hiring opposed to just looking at the skill sets. Is it important to know the why, the, the the deep reason behind people taking a role? Now, I appreciate that some of our roles, some of the people listening today, the roles they're advertising for are, are contracts, uh, freelance work, where the personal isn't as important. But there'll be lots of people who are hiring for perm roles across the kind of tech world. So is understanding the, the deep rooted reason why someone's taking a role, is that important? Absolutely. I think for whether you're in a perm role or a contract role, understanding the why is imperative. I think for the um, success of completing whatever it is that you've um, signed up to do and also enjoying it. And from, from a business perspective, to really make sure that you're placing the right people in the right roles to get the best outputs. Um, I think it's essential. Why is, is absolutely core to, to hiring. How do you find the why behind people? Because people don't want to open up about that sort of stuff, right? What sort of question would you ask or how would you approach tackling someone who didn't want to speak to you about that sort of thing? What sort of questions would you ask? How would you phrase things? When do you know when to push, when to, when to pull back? I think the, the key thing here is just making the environment as comfortable as possible and working with the interviewee to make sure that it's a comfortable conversation. I think whenever you're putting people into a situation where they're uncomfortable, you're never going to get the true why. Um, I think definitely making people feel at ease, um, understanding them a little bit more, having that kind of um, human conversation with them, um, and then asking key questions around their intentions of why they've left their previous role, really understanding what their situation was previously to perhaps understand what the journey ahead may look like, um, and then really trying to... Um, using key again it depends on the on the value set that you're looking for the key competence you're lo- you're looking for but really trying to understand previous behaviors um and then looking at their future um needs and desires for potentially it could be a bigger team or it could be a more interesting project it could be they want to you know they, they felt that there's a, a ceiling perhaps um if they're in a permanent role they might want a bigger team a bigger challenge um but by understanding that and explaining the why for the reason that you're asking the questions usually helps to open up candidates so the reason I'm asking this question is because of why um, you know and then going into the questions usually helps um, give context to why you're asking which then helps people feel a bit bit more at ease for them to be able to open up to you. What are are those key questions you ask? Um, To understand the why it's really understanding what they've been doing, um, why they enjoy what they've been doing and what they don't enjoy doing and why they don't enjoy doing those things and then trying to work from there and picture together what that perfect role would look like moving forward um and then looking at the motivations you know what are their personal circumstances do they have children are they relocating are they um you know are they working internationally at the moment but they want to be based in a different place so really understanding that what their current situation is and why they're in that current situation and then the, the kind of reason the reasoning behind the changes that they're wanting to make is, is absolutely key Sure. How do you balance skill versus will? It's something that lots of people ask all the time. How do you, 
where do you balance if someone is um, great technically at the role, but you question their motives? Are they how long are they going to be around for? They're going to get on with everyone. Are they lacking confidence? Are they overconfident? Where do you how do you balance those two? I think a lot of the the will side of things comes through just basic behaviours in the interview stages, where you know how quickly is some a candidate uh, responding to emails, or how quickly are they getting back to you with information that you've um, requested, um, how prompt are they to turn up to an interview, you know, are they giving you feedback, how open are the conversations? So those are the key things that you would typically look for in terms of will at an interview stage, um, and skill would be all based around the competency question that you're asking and previous um, technical endorsements or potentially references that you would ask for. Um, um, during the interview process but but essentially will's got to come from the individual um, and the balance has got to be that we focus on can they do the job have they got the technical skill to do the job have we got a platform to support the the the, the kind of learning element of, of perhaps any gaps and then the will's got to come from having really open conversations about um about their behavior or, or their their kind of attitude towards what whatever it is that they're doing and just having that open dialogue and that space for open communication I think is key to manage that will and keep the balance and you mentioned before if I can just go back to it um the question was around making the candidate feel comfortable so they can open up they can um you know maybe talk a bit more openly than they would previously mm-hmm. um now an interview is not a very natural um circumstance mm-hmm. um obviously people could be doing it because they need to put food in their table or they want to get their big promotion you know they might have built up pressure in their mind what are the practical things you might do to make a candidate feel more relaxed and do you really want to make that candidate feel relaxed if they if them being nervous is showing they maybe can't handle stress very well i Two think yeah. Um, so to answer your first question, how do we make um, candidates feel uh, comfortable? Um, so a nice warm welcome is absolutely key. I think making sure that they, um, you know, feel as though that you you are approachable, I think is absolutely key. Um, and then really getting to, to know them at the beginning of the interview. So there is a, a big emphasis in the interviewing that we do on understanding who they are, why they're here, a little bit about their journey um, and really focusing on, on them initially and then opening up to the skill set and the competency based questions. Um, and I think in terms of your second question, um, nerves i think are everybody feels them however confident you may be um and i think you know sometimes it can hinder um your interview because you could be really good at the role but it's just that that sort of interview jitters as i call it um and it might be that you don't normally get nervous in the role that you're doing because you're really confident about that because you're in a completely new setting the nerves set in um so i think it it would depend on what role you're interviewing for what type of um, activities you'll be carrying out in the role that you're doing and whether the nerves are just based on because you're in an, a really synthetic situation in an interview um, or whether it's nerves around when, the, when you're asking a competency-based question. I think I keep going back to competency because that really will define whether they are able to do the job or not, whether they have the basic skills to do the role where you can then build on those skills. Um, but I think nerves, I think nerves are good. I think it shows passion. I think it mm-hmm. shows that people care. Um, and yeah, again, it depends on the role. Um, Obviously, there are some roles which potentially if you're more client facing or if you're in a project management role where you're having to deal with external stakeholders as well as internal stakeholders, um, confidence is key. So there might be some, um, you know, uh, there might be some questions that will be asked around that in terms of um, confidence in particular roles. But I think overall, 
if you can see it's just for from the interview perspective but they they the the persona changes when they start talking about their previous history and their competencies you can then try and work out you know is this just a nervous person or are they just nervous in the uh, in the interview setting sure so it sounds like it's it's looking for whether their their mood changes correct when they talk about something they're more comfortable talking about which might be their role but maybe not the actual the interview process itself exactly you also mentioned there about about kind of stress and and lots of the Lots of the people listening are going to be hiring for high stress um, roles where there are tight deadlines, mm-hmm. um, projects to be, to be delivered, um, pressure from investors, boards, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you stress test someone in an interview? How do you understand how they're going to deal with how they're going to deal with stress? We would route back to stressful situations that they've been in previously, try and understand what that situation was, what led to that situation arising, and then how they've managed it. And then really looking at how they feel. I think understanding how somebody has reacted and felt about a situation helps you understand how well they deal with stress um, and what their coping mechanisms are, which is very, very, it's very, very imperative if you're in a highly stressful role that someone has those coping mechanisms to be able to deal with a role that's stressful. Um, I think being thrust into something stressful and then not being able to cope with it effectively would probably mean that they're not right for the role. But if their if their coping mechanisms are, you know, whether that's going to the gym, whether that's they 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 just have a, a process in which that they are able to manage it. Being highly organised obviously helps in this highly stressful role. Um, and then again, looking at those key competencies and the key skills that surround a stressful role, um, and the coping mechanisms um, to help manage that, I think are imperative for sure. Do you ever purposely put someone under a more stressful? situation in the interview to try and test their response which might be a particularly tough line of questions or it might be springing something on them that they weren't expecting or it might be turning up late to see their reaction or I, I don't know what, what sort of we do. what sort of dark magic do you uh, <laughs> um so in in order to create a, a slightly stressful or or more intense situation we might give them a task to do which they weren't prepared to do um obviously give them full for a full briefing give them full understanding of what needs to be done but no prior knowledge that it was going to be part of the interview process that creates a, a, a scenario where they're going to be put under a, a bit of stress there'll be a time frame around that and then we see how they manage um the, the scenario that we've presented and also then see how they're feeling understand how they feel that they that that's understand that the emotion around that and how well they've managed it I think the, the key takeaways really is how they've managed the stress opposed to whether they've done the activity correctly or not um and those coping mechanisms that are are usually there the um the natural way of them dealing with a stressful situation opposed to them just giving you an interview answer uh, and what are you looking for in that? So you're giving someone a, a task to do. Mm-hmm. They may not be doing it well. They may not be stressed. What are you looking to signify that they are stressed or they are dealing with it well or not well? Asking you questions at the beginning of that task. So someone that's prepared to understand the why and what they're doing. So they've got full understanding of what they need to go in and do. Because in any stressful situation, you need to know what you need to go and achieve. Um, then looking at how organized they are. You know, are they? do they have good time management? Have they been able to complete the task as best they can in that time? Um, and then looking at the delivery after the, the kind of the debriefing afterwards, how they felt, what their processes were to achieve the task. Um, how they now feel after having achieved it and what their takeaways were from the experience because I think all of those things are looking at that coping piece of how do they manage the stress um, in the moment when something is dropped on them um, even though they've been given full briefing they know exactly what they need to do but it's just you know it's obviously something that they haven't been prepared for. 
Yeah. And I, I guess that kind of stops the prepared cookie cutter um, yeah. boilerplate answers um, because you're seeing them in, you know, in real life, in, in a real life setting. Yeah. Um, people who are prepared for interviews can have prepared answers. They can assume you're going to ask, you know, here are the top 20 questions that I'm going to get asked. How, how do you cut through that? How do you understand when someone is giving a prepared answer, which might not be what the real their real thoughts are? To show, um, so we will always ask them to demonstrate where they've where they've um, implemented that answer elsewhere. So you know, somebody might say to me, "Oh, I'm really, you know, really, really self driven," and we will then look at, okay, well, where have you shown that drive? Where have you implemented it? What did you achieve by that? By implementing that drive what were you um what you set out what were you setting out to achieve and what did you actually achieve and actually when you start to um uh really knuckle down in terms of the the, the competence that you're looking for looking for examples and the competency-based examples that you um where they've demonstrated the skill set that tends to use that tends to um set aside those that actually have the competency as, as a key um skill and those that have just said it in an interview because they've read the job spec and realize that that's what what we're looking for as such so key okay. examples of their experience where they've demonstrated that skill um over a time period so we would look at something that was more recent than perhaps in in maybe not the last job but the job before to to create a bit of a time span to see how have they one developed that skill but where have they used it on an on um sort of more than one occasion yeah makes sense um, so what are the, how many stages of interviews do you usually have? Is there a perfect amount? And also bundling into those questions is what are those interview stages for? What's their purpose? I don't think there's a perfect amount. I think it depends on the role. I think it depends on what your business processes are, but I think in terms of the stages, I think having a face to face, um, in a virtual setting is definitely one a time saver, but also a good indicator of who you're potentially going to invest some time in, in that interview process. We have sort of an eight hour pre-assessment, um, uh, process for, for people at Montage. So this initial kind of, um, interaction over video is really, really insightful. I think then maybe having sort of a practical, um, stage where they are either completing a task on site or they're shadowing in, in some sort of uh, capacity is really useful because it, it gives you an idea of where those potential challenges um, are or the skill gaps are, but also what the key skill set is in a live in a live setting. Um, and then just really understanding why those processes are in place and what you're looking to achieve from each each um, stage in the interview process. But the market is fierce out there. The competitors are, you know, um, you're, you're up against a competition. People are being taken off the market very quickly. So making sure that it's really a, a streamlined process, even if there are several steps in that process, perhaps over, you know, two to three stages, but maybe having longer stages at each, um, at each um, phase to complete everything that you'd like to to understand about your candidates but essentially a, 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 a streamlined fast process which allows you to test skill set and also for the candidate to experience you know your environment your culture the team that they perhaps may be going into and the work that they'll be doing so they have a you know a really clear understanding of the job that they're going to be undertaking and whether it's the right thing for them how important is the um, selling the business to the candidate because the the markets which um, our listeners will be working in now, they're very, very candidate driven, very, very candidate short. Um, and the, the candidates now have a lot more choice than they did a year ago, or especially a year ago, but even two years ago, three years ago. There's lots of roles and a very small number of candidates. 
how do you sell the, the business, the company, the dream, the vision to the candidate in the interview process? I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's a candidate short market out there and the competition is fierce. Really understanding the motivations and the why of the candidate is key then in terms of looking at what it is that you want to display that the business offers. So if a candidate is looking to make a move because of the team size, then really focusing on what that growth element may be for that business or that particular team. Um, if it's a case of, um, you know, remuneration, looking at what the benefit packages are and really focusing on the the overall offering um, that that business can, can, can offer. Um, I think it really depends on what the motivators are for the individual that you're speaking to and then homing in on what are the relevant um, kind of aspects of the business that will relate to that candidate's needs and then really focusing on those things when you're talking about the organization um, but really doing that consistently throughout the interview process to to enable them to have a really good understanding and a full understanding of what the offering is and the environment they'll be going into and also if you can offer a range of people that they speak to who are also then you know reiterating those those key things that the business is offering really creates that um uh, understanding from a from a for a for a candidate to understand what they're going to be potentially walking into makes a lot of sense how important is punctuality i think in an interview situation really important it shows that you have um the ability to prepare it shows that you um, are taking the opportunity seriously. Um, of course, you know, we all run late from time to time. Um, if you are running late for an interview, I think just making sure that you, you've let the interviewer know at the, at the earliest possible time you can and they've given it a full explanation. Um, so I think a case-by-case -case scenario um, when these things do, do happen, but I think it does give a, a good indication of, you know, have you given yourself enough time? Have you, you know, prepared... Um, well enough for the interview and taking into consideration any delays that might might occur um so i think it does definitely give um a good impression um yeah are you um less kind towards people who are late for a virtual interview than you are for, for a physical one i think it's looking at it from a case-by-case -case perspective i think there's always a reason for someone being late so understanding the why I think it does show that there might be a lack of preparation. It shows that they might not be um, as um, organised. So it does perhaps um, highlight some challenges or some skill gaps. But essentially, understanding the why is, is really imperative and how often it's happening. If you've got three or four different stages in the interview process and someone's only late for one and they've given a you know a really um, open and honest reason as to why, I think that's totally fair enough. Um, everyone's opinion will differ on this. Um, but I think a reoccurring pattern of behaviour is probably more of an indication of a skill set gap, um, which is something that we would typically look for. So I don't think I would be unkind or biased to somebody that is late. I think if they are repetitively late in that interview process, then that will show that there is perhaps a skill set gap that we would then address with the candidate. Um, but yeah, really understanding the why is absolutely key. Um, and then looking at that repeat, that repeat behaviour would be key when it comes to punctuality, sure. I think. So again, it's all about perception, I guess, isn't it really? And yeah. giving the impression. So I guess a, a, a final question back to you. Um, are you aware of your body language when you're interviewing? Um, what impression do you want to give off um, when you're interviewing someone? And a final kind of follow on to that is, what practical things do you do? Are you aware of to make sure you give the impression you want to? Yes, the answer to your question is yes. I am very aware of my body language in an interview because I want to make sure that the uh, interviewee has the best possible impression of Montash and myself. So I will be, um, you know, 
I will make a conscious effort to to sit up in an interview and to to look I have positive body language so I won't fold my arms um I will make lots of eye contact I'll be very friendly um and I would like to, and and yeah so I think those are the key things that I would potentially do in an interview to make sure that I am um hopefully giving off the best possible uh, impression and of course turning up on time uh, making sure the candidates if they obviously have turned up on time are not waiting too long um and then just being really clear in the process and being and having really open communication with them I think is really imperative but um yeah I think experience is everything now in a candidate short market candidates uh, coming away from an interview f- feeling good feeling like they've had a really good experience that they've had an open and honest conversation I think will set companies aside um, to those that go into an interview coming out feeling a little bit uh, perhaps not as well informed um, and not feeling as though they've had a good experience yeah I agree um, I think that the the days of um employers being able to pick and choose from a big list of candidates is, is shrinking sh- shrinking rapidly I think that you know the the whole interview process from the first interview all the way through to the final interview is all very much part of attracting them to your brand to your company to your business and to your culture um so I think there's a good place to end so Usha thank you very much for your time uh, this morning in a rainy and grey London um thank you to our listeners and we'll see you again next week <laughs>